The year is 2021. Four movies determine the fate of the world. Just four movies. Four movies that take place in 2021. What does the year hold? Find out on Video Hub! <laughs> the future is on its way. The future is nearly here. We are hours away from the future. And it can't be said that we weren't warned because so many movies have told us what 2021 may be like. Well, at least four. <laughs> at, le- at least four Tons movies. Tons of movies. Four. Fours <laughs> of movies. <laughs> yeah, fours of movies have given us a glimpse into a possible 2021. What can we learn from these films? I covered Makoto Shinkai's 2019 highly acclaimed anime film, Weathering With You. So, who had teenagers controlling the weather on their 2021 bingo card? Because I sure didn't. Seven months of nonstop rain in Tokyo was already weird enough, but when rumors of the 100% sunshine girl started circulating on social media, it seemed like a step way too far into cryptid territory. I mean, what's next? A Sunshine Girl escrow account? (laughs) Well, boy, do I have Egg McMuffin on my face because she's real and her dominion over the powers of nature is real and frankly terrifying. Hina Amano's path to becoming the Sunshine Girl began at her workplace, a McDonald's, where she took pity on runaway high schooler Hodaka Morishima and gave him a Big Mac on the house. Sidebar, you know how all food looks good in anime? Well, this Big Mac looked like the single greatest hamburger in all of fast food dumps. <laughs> anyway, Hodaka took a job at a small occult magazine and started investigating the legends of a so-called sunshine girl after hearing about it from a local psychic, as you do in the world of occult journalism. Hodaka and Hina's paths crossed again when he tried to save her from being harassed in the back alley of a club. Things go sideways when he fires a gun in the air thinking it's a toy, apparently never having seen or played with a toy gun before in his entire life. <laughs> Guns are not as plentiful there as they are here. I can't imagine this. <laughs> they ran to an abandoned building where Hina demonstrated her Moses-like powers of parting the figurative sea of rain. She explains her mother died a year ago and her prayers for a single day of sun with her ailing mother connected her to the sky in a beautiful display of the balance of nature. So obviously, Hodaka decides to monetize it. <laughs> he set up a website offering clear skies and sunshine for private events, farmers markets, parties, weddings, and the like. They were an overnight success. That is until Hina was caught on a news camera clearing the sky for a fireworks festival. So they shut down the site, but Hodaka, Hina, and her little brother Nagi had to go on the run from the cops through the streets of Tokyo. Chaos ensued. (laughs) Weathering With You was a gorgeously rendered tale of teenage dengs. What if the weight of the world were actually on your teenage shoulders instead of just in your head? How would you handle it? How would it change you? Just don't piss off the sunshine girl, because that girl can banish Tokyo to the flooded cornfield if you're not careful. (laughs) Watch. It's gonna clear up. Huh? Hey, what do you mean by... (gasps) What? You're a sunshine girl. (laughs) 
So wait, so in this movie, 2021 finds us with like increasingly dire and destructive weather patterns and climate catastrophe. Specifically in Tokyo, but yeah, there's like, it's summer and then there's just constant rain and then snow and just crazy ass weather patterns. Huh. They discover this tale or like this legend of this sunshine girl who brings the sunshine and then there's this whole thing about what she has to do to equalize nature. But as they point out, like maybe it's not on her shoulders in order to equalize nature. Maybe mankind just got us to this point anyway and it's not up to one person to try and save the world. We sometimes have to just let Tokyo sink into the sea. Apparently. (laughs) Well, I will say one person is trying to save the world and that person is Trump. (laughs) <laughs> against oh no oh no against the cabal so oh, yeah, yeah. this movie is not very realistic <laughs> yeah big rain didn't want him to be president <laughs> i mean that's a bummer i didn't think that high school animated romance right? movie was going to be a bummer <laughs> <laughs> but it's from the guy that wrote and directed your name so you're going to have a lot of depressing angst but it's it's great and it is gorgeous the animation is st- Dunning. From the movie, is there anything that you'd suggest us to invest in? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, okay. I think uh, that is what that is what really I want to really get out of all these movies. Out of this. <laughs> yeah. Infrastructure, infrastructure, infrastructure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Any kind of like rebuilding companies, especially trains. They had a lot of rebuilding of trains going on in the movie, so I feel like if you can get in on that, the ground floor of that business. And umbrellas. Oh, umbrellas. Definitely umbrellas. (laughs) Buy umbrella stock. Buy, buy, buy. (laughs) Which leads us into our next movie, Resident Evil. (laughs) Oh, is that what they were doing, Umbrella Corp? Yeah. (laughs) You didn't get that? (laughs) Yeah. It's in the name! It's what we do. We unleash untold catastrophe upon the world. It will shake up the global climate in such a way it'll rain more. Hear me out. Luckily, I know all about Resident Evil. They're remaking it uh, next year. Again. About, uh, Again? Yeah, it's called Citizen Evil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn it. You get us hook, line, every and time. Every, every time, time, Greg. Every time. <laughs> Are we gullible or is he a genius? Hello, this is Greg Hansen, and I have a report on Roy Ward Baker's 1969 Hammer film, Moon Zero Two. (laughs) Picture this. A 2021 envisioned by Elon Musk's relationship with Henry Mancini. A swinging 60s BDSM fantasy fueled by themed pubs and a dream to build Deep Space Nine on one Earth moon. (laughs) Or Z-Man Barzell's guide to a really small part of the galaxy. Space Captain Han Solo Kemp is a rogue trader who spends his time hunting space junk with his Russian engineer Kaminsky, which really just makes the whole space race thing confusing. (laughs) Kemp used to be the best space explorer until the corporation decided all the money is in transporting yahoos from Earth to the moon, and Kemp would rather deal in literal garbage than customer (laughs) service. (laughs) 
just when he needs it, the universe's richest man and our main bad guy, 100% Hubbard, approaches Kemp to help him steal an asteroid. What? (laughs) (laughs) You know he's our big bad because... Bond villain Raffi wears a monocle and speaks eloquently, which is really the biggest difference between the real and fake 2021. (laughs) There are also like five people in the movie, so who else do you think is going to be the big bad? The guy with the backstory or the bartender who spins around a giant juice machine in order to serve cocktails? (laughs) When a hot lady who wears a lot of funny wigs and sometimes dresses as Benny Gesserit comes looking for her brother who's homesteading on the dark side of the moon, Pink Floyd. We know where you got your inspiration. (laughs) She wants to find him, but would also like to be considered the requisite love interest because she's the only woman in the movie who isn't a cop or a non-speaking go-go dancer. Kemp's gotta help her, yada yada. He figures out Hubbard killed her brother so he can land his asteroid there and bada big bada boom, we've got a movie. (laughs) Move over, Armageddon, you're about 30 years too late and Ben Affleck is no match for our perennial hot guy, James Olsen. <laughs> Hell yeah. Who has to help blow up the asteroid so that it makes sure it hits the moon. Interesting. <laughs> tell me more. After all, the asteroid is the universe's biggest sapphire. You hear that, Jerry Bruckheimer? The Declaration of Independence is chump change. (laughs) Seemingly, the craft cocktail wave hasn't hit the moon yet, which is a bummer, but there are plenty of vintage stores to shop for, and everywhere takes cards. (laughs) In the shadow of 2001 A Space Odyssey, lesser filmmakers took on the Titan, trying to innovate special effects, but not Moon Zero Two, who dared to be different and make sure that the audience audiences knew when they were looking at miniatures. <laughs> As you could probably glean, this is a pretty damn accurate representation of life in present 2021. But the similarities don't stop there. As the youth are gravitating towards early 2000s nostalgia and emo is poised to come back, Moon Zero Two's pleather quotient can only be described as forecasting the trend. (laughs) Plus, everyone in the movie drives around in SUVs and all our meals come in convenient to-go boxes. And, in the end, we all realized that the true villain was capitalism the whole time. (gasps) Blast off for the first moon western. The astounding moon treasure that pits man against man. The moon maidens that are part of the prize. The first moon western, where the chase is through space and the death dealt by laser. Are you walking or would you like a lift? But the shootout is still an old-fashioned shootout. Moon Zero Two! (laughs) Oh, the theme song. The theme song. Is the Bond villain version of Raffi, is his evil plan just like infiltrate all of the children of the world's subconscious with really catchy tunes? (laughs) (laughs) Steal the sapphire. (laughs) Blow up the asteroids. Go, go, all the dances. (laughs) Go to space. Take what's out there. If you play it forward, it's baby shark doom 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 doom. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I kind of love Moon Zero too. It's one of the maybe like not better, but more enjoyable mystery science theater films. It's surprising that it's a mystery science theater pick. It is weird. It has like a ton of strange tonal shifts. Like the soundtrack makes no sense and doesn't feel like a Hammer film. In in that like Hammer's predisposition towards like big, beautiful, well-lit sets and big orchestral swells doesn't really jive Mm. with like horns and Age of Aquarius style (laughs) theme song. I don't even think I realized it was Hammer. Yeah, it was, it's, I mean, and they tried, I think, doing this more throughout the 60s as gothic horror stopped being quite as sexy and people wanted something more modern. Their stuff never lent as well to sci-fi as it did to horror. It doesn't have a powerful cast by any means, and I think they spent all their money on these wild interiors that look great and must have been three to six years out of date by the time the movie came out. (laughs) It's that problem that you have with uh, any movie really that takes place in the future where you like this is what the future's gonna look like and it inevitably is dated like a ye- what by the time the movie comes out frankly by the time the movie comes out it's like yeah this doesn't look right futuristic. off the assembly line <laughs> it, it, yeah it, it it has like a, a real epcot feel. Yeah. Oh, i was gonna say it's like nice. the tomorrowland redo they tried for jules verne but didn't have the budget so they ended up just looking like at jane fonda we- yeah <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, nice. did it leave you feeling hopeful for 2021 greg oh yeah the the outfits splendid this bar every day has a different theme one day it's latino night one day it's rodeos and there's always like a quick change for everybody and it's always the same booze and that's beautiful that also bodes well that we get to go back to bars in 2021 at least on the moon also people on the moon they're the most socially distant humans in the galaxy (laughs) (laughs) the new cdc recommendation is six light years away I guess, again, Greg, what should we invest in? Pleather? Sounds like pleather. If I were to buy stock right now, it would have to be an anti-gravitational mechanism so that you could have a space fight or a bar fight with no gravity. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. We need to make that a reality stat. Get on it, Elon Musk. I read in the trades that he's doing it. You know, I understand all the critiques of like the Richard Bransons and the Elon Musks who want to like make commercial space travel viable and that it's like, hey, I understand like, let's why not we try to make Earth viable (laughs) (laughs) instead. But there's a part of me that likes it because of what astronauts describe as the overview effect, which is something they say you can't get it from pictures. But when you first go up to space and you look at the Earth and it's very tenuous place in the solar system, you understand just how small it is and how fragile it is and how we need to maintain it. And I'm hoping that all those billionaires go up there and they're like, oh... I shouldn't exist. 2020 is eat the rich. 2021 is airlock the rich. I love it. Yeah. I, love it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, or there's always the possibility that they look out the other window and goes, there's gold out there. I know it. There's sapphire out there in that no. there space. I know it. Uh, Asteroids does transition very well into my movie, actually. Ooh. I did my report on the 2012 science fiction romantic comedy drama written and directed by Lorraine Scafaria, seeking a friend for the end of the world. The final mission to save mankind has failed. The 70-mile-wide asteroid known as Matilda is set to collide with Earth in exactly three weeks' time. 
and we'll be bringing you our countdown to the end of days along with all your classic rock favorites. The year is 2021, but you would only know that from two shots in the movie in the corner of a magazine headline and on the expiration date of a cough syrup bottle. <laughs> Honestly, despite my best efforts, I can't figure out why Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, a dramedy released in 2012, was set in the year 2021. Nothing differentiates it from the time period in which it was released. There's no future technology featured. The characters don't even have new iPhones. <laughs> but, <laughs> but despite its baffling temporal placement, it nevertheless just kind of works. Because what's more fitting to the year we've had than a failed off-screen space mission to destroy an asteroid on a collision course for Earth? Seems fitting, really. <laughs> so the characters and the world have only a few short weeks to live when our story begins, and for our main character Dodge, played by Steve Carell, it's really when his life begins, too. Yes, it's that kind of movie, and I love it unabashedly. <laughs> the film asks, what would you do if you definitively only had a few weeks to live? And although some people respond with despair, wallowing, or giving up, it mostly focuses on the hedonistic aspects of it. Cocktail parties with middle-aged friends that turn into drug benders, an orgy in a TGI Fridays, people looking for last chances at lays or love. At least if an asteroid was going to hit Earth in March of 2021, I could stop being so mad at people breaking quarantine protocols. Go ahead and have sex and cough on randos, everyone. It literally doesn't matter anymore. Finally, some good news. I know. <laughs> Anyway, the plot. I mean, there's not too much of one, honestly. This movie is just a setup to a bunch of different apocalyptic images and set pieces, but it's still fun. In the first minute of the movie, Dodge's wife, played by Steve Carell's actual wife, walks out on their marriage after the news of the impending apocalypse, leaving him to have the ultimate white man midlife crisis. He wanders through the last days of the world, pondering the great questions internally of, have I wasted my life? And what about the one who got away? He's joined on his existentialist journey with deceptively happy-go-lucky Penny, played by Kiara Knightley. Penny is a flighty free spirit who could self-professed sleep through the apocalypse and, spoiler alert, almost does. Sick. <laughs> who Dodge discovers crying on his balcony because she's broken up with her boyfriend, Adam Brody, who made her miss the last flight to England to see her family. Dodge and Penny strike up a friendship and a deal where he promises to bring her to a person who can fly her to England if she promises to join him on a road trip to reconnect with the love of his life. A twee indie road trip ensues, leading them to a doomsday prepper ex-boyfriends and the aforementioned TGI Friday's orgy. All on the way, despite their age differences and having not much in common, as one could predict, they become the loves of each other's lives and ride out the apocalypse together. Also featured in this movie is a cornucopia of comedians, some from right before they broke out, such as Amy Schumer, some in the heyday of their relevance, such as Jillian Jacobs, and some before they broke out and were later disgraced, such as TJ Miller. <laughs> it also nice. has my favorite early 2010s trope, which is sad man has one-sided conversation with uniquely named mutt. In this case, a stray he names sorry. <laughs> I may sound harsh about the basicness of elements of this plot, but don't let that fool you, dear listeners, because even before this assignment, I have seen this movie four times, loved it each time, and even once included the ending monologue about love in a super cheesy montage I cut for Josh for Valentine's Day, and no, this will not be an Instagram exclusive. <laughs> it's true. It was it's going, so it's going right in the episode. Yeah. <laughs> so that all being said, after the 2020 we've had, I welcome the impact of this asteroid in 2021. May it help all of us find our purpose and love in life and give us reason to reconnect with our fellow fellow man, since we have literally nothing to lose. <laughs> yeah. I think I got a little carried away before with uh, mudslides and uh, orgy and 
You know, obviously, things are very complicated right now. Uh, relax, Dodge. It was, just, it was end of the world sex. It was creature comfort. This movie sounds like a happier version of Bucket List. It's more like the fuck it list. <laughs> <laughs> that nice. is a great explanation, Jamie, because you made me want to watch a movie which, for my entire knowledge of it, has been a total scroll by on Netflix. <laughs> it's like one of those movies that I see and go like, maybe nah. later. Yeah, it will. It has, until this moment, existed in that space in my head. At some point, I think there will be a fairly large volume of critical responses to Steve Carell being sad movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can make, like, a cinema retrospective just of those. I mean, yeah. like, this is shortly thereafter Dan in real life. This is his bread and butter. <laughs> so Steve Carell did Dan in real life and then followed up with Dan at the end of all life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ended recently by Marwin. Yes. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. this, who, this, who, who thought that a great documentary needed <laughs> to be fictionalized? Yeah. Who was just like, this documentary is too good. Let's fuck it up. Yeah. That's Zemeckis, baby. That's his career. It's like, I can take real life and make it schmaltzier. More mocap. Mocap everywhere. Janelle mocap <laughs> I'll give it to you then. Thank you. It works. It's good enough. Sorry if I'm forgetting if you said it. Does the world end? The world ends, yeah. The last shot is like them waiting for the asteroid to hit and then it just fades to white. Spoiler alert. So, yeah, everyone dies. Sick. 2021. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, so not not many investment tips out of that movie. No, but there is there is a scene like hilariously enough because I think ironically he's a uh, life insurance salesman. So like there is a scene Fun. where he's on the phone with someone trying to still sell life insurance and like an act of God policy. He's like, yeah, you know, it includes <laughs> it includes asteroids. So you know. <laughs> right. I guess not many investment tips. I guess. The, uh, the only investment tip from that movie is would be like sell 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 yeah <laughs> and don't buy green bananas yeah <laughs> <laughs> TGI Fridays because Saturday is never gonna come <laughs> <laughs> well unless it's an orgy ooh oh oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man How, what a baller move to walk into a TGI Fridays orgy and be like fucking Saturdays here baby <laughs> When did this movie come out? 2012. That's funny because that's a year after Melancholia, which is yeah. also wow. a movie that ends with uh, another celestial body colliding with yeah. ours. Jesus and all for spoilers. We were oh, in a sorry. mood. We were, like the mid-2010s, we were in a mood. <laughs> I mean, it was it just... We were, you know, for at least ironically and with some amount of panic being told that 2012 was going to be it. That was it. Probably. The Mayans oh, knew. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the, that was the whole, remember 2012, the movie? Yep. The, the Robert, uh, not Robert Zemeckis. Oh, my God. I would watch a Robert Zemeckis. <laughs> I would love a Robert so Zemeckis much. apocalypse movie. There'd be so much mocap of asteroids. <laughs> the Roland Emmerich 2012. Yes. Roland Emmerich, the German immigrant who just loves to blow up the Capitol building. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Over and Does over. Does nobody else find that strange? <laughs> Let's just hope that the Mayans weren't dyslexic. 
<laughs> uh, maybe two, 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 2012. Zero, two, one. God damn it. Well, people have been predicting the end of the world forever. And, you know, you only got to be right about that once. Yeah. So there's, no shame in, there's no shame in predicting. But speaking of dyslexia. <laughs> I on uh, my film and that foreshadowing comes way later. So <laughs> <laughs> hold on the, to it. Hold on to it. Yeah, hold saying. on to it. The film I reported on was Robert Longo's 1995 cyberpunk action thriller Johnny Mnemonic. I want to get online. I need a computer. Second decade of the 21st century. Corporations rule. The world is threatened by a new plague, fatal, epidemic. Its cause and cure, unknown. No, this is not The Daily. <laughs> but you'd be forgiven for thinking these blurbs were pulled from the headlines. As the crawl continues and we learn about the resistance fighters known as low-techs, data pirates, and a corporate Yakuza synergy, <laughs> I desperately wish they were. These are the first few sort of sentences that we sort of see as through a VR headset darkly in the opening title crawl of the 1995 cyberpunk epic Johnny Mnemonic. 90s cinema gave us more speculative dystopian futures than you could port into your head, Jack. Hell, in 1995 alone, we got 12 Monkeys, City of Lost Children, what? Ghost in the Shell, Judge Dredd, Strange Days, uh, Tank Girl, and fucking Waterworld. <laughs> but few of them hit our current situation so on the nose as my man, Johnny MN. <laughs> no, that's Minnesota. <laughs> Except maybe Strange Days. But then again, it might just be a sure thing to bet on a consumer culture's voyeuristic and lascivious death obsession. I mean, exactly how many podcasts about real-life murders have you listened to this week? <laughs> I'll be the first to admit the similarities may be due to their simplicity. Much like our film's leads, these first few pieces of prophetic parataxis are featureless enough for a semiotic slut like me to implant meaning into my own brain's data port. But I think if you dig a little deeper, this movie does diagnose the anxieties of a post-industrial late capital world. An online Ouroboros where everyone logged in becomes consumer and product. Well, we open on the internet. 2021. No, I mean it. That's where the story starts. That's the location. That's the lower third of the first shot. Internet 2021. And while our main character, Johnny's physical body, played by Keanu Reeves's physical body, spends its time between the technological super cities Beijing and Newark, New Jersey. <laughs> They were right. They were right. <laughs> Johnny's mind and really all of human culture have been given entirely to cyberspace. It doesn't matter if you are a corporate mogul, a soot-faced street urchin, or a cybernetically enhanced dolphin with PTSD. You live your life on the web, which in this film is less a data network and more a megalopolis existing alongside the urban sprawl of the physical world. As William Gibson, legendary and prolific speculative fiction author who adapted the screenplay from his own short story, so perfectly describes it in his 1984 novel, Neuromancer, 
It's a consensual hallucination experienced daily by billions of legitimate operators in every nation. Has anyone more perfectly described social media bubbles? (laughs) (laughs) Data has become the ultimate currency in the ongoing info wars. That's what they're called. (laughs) Alex Jones, you have some explaining to do. (laughs) Our story begins on Thursday, January 17th, 2021. Will the 17th be a Thursday? No, it's a Sunday, <laughs> but fuck you. How about that? Well, if only they could have looked that That's just lazy screenwriting. <laughs> no, no, no. We totally know what could have happened. Existed. What? We have yeah, a maybe set we'll... calendar. <laughs> so maybe he forgot to look at leap years. Yeah, he must have forgotten leap years. All right. Johnny is living an opulent but empty existence as a mnemonic courier, having replaced a large portion of his memories with a neuro implant so that he can upload and transport valuable black market information for the highest bidder. When his handler, Ralphie, played with scene chewing a plum by Udo Kier, tells him he just needs one more job before he can get back total recall. (laughs) Johnny pushes his way through, I shit you not, a crowd of N95 mask wearing protesters in Beijing begging begging the government for a cure to a deadly pandemic. Oh my my God. To meet with a team of scientists who have defected from Pharmacom. A corporate giant named that because I assume medicine bad guys was taken. (laughs) The scientists give him 320 gigabytes of info, twice as much as Johnny's 160 gigabyte implant can handle. (laughs) It's not that it all won't copy over. It does. It's just that overloading your implant could lead to synaptic seepage, which is deadly after the cinematic prerequisite 48 hours high stakes period (laughs) before the confirmation code can be faxed over to the buyers yes we still fax in the time of brain ram (laughs) a pharmacom group of hired assassins led by Shinji a Yakuza underboss with a molecular laser whip kill the scientists (laughs) and send Johnny fleeing when he's betrayed by Ralphie, who's really working for Pharmacom executive Takahashi, played by the legendary Takeshi Kitano, who is maybe also a Yakuza boss, the corporate criminal melding is, I think, purposefully opaque. Johnny only escapes with the help of Jane, a literal internet junkie, played by Dizzy from Starship Troopers. Yeah. And- <laughs> And J-Bone, the leader of the Lotex, played by Ice Motherfucking T. <laughs> right after Tank Girl. Yep. <laughs> right. Johnny just wants this information out of his head. Unfortunately, that's not good enough, as Pharmacom doesn't just want the info, but anything the info is kept in. It's bring me the head of Johnny Mnemonic. But the farther Johnny <laughs> runs, the closer he gets to the truth. The pandemic slowly killing half of the world's population, NAS, or Nerve Attenuation Syndrome, is caused by humanity's enhanced biological connection to cyberspace. And the info hidden in Johnny's brain is that Pharmacom has been profiting from treating those suffering the symptoms, even though they found the cure years ago. Mm. All this is delivered through a series of exposition from shady surgeon Dr. Henry Rollins, he's in the movie, (laughs) 
an artificial intelligence who is a legitimized Swiss citizen who was once revealed, spoiler, Pharmacom CEO, and further spoiler, Johnny's mom, <laughs> and Jones, a dolphin who is cybernetically yes. enhanced by the U.S. Navy and has now become the Resistance's main hacker. Yep. What? <laughs> this yep. movie is bananas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, Dolph Lundgren is in the movie. <laughs> Not for long, though. <laughs> he plays a Jesus freak cyborg, also dispatched to collect Johnny's head. He's mostly there to stab people with a crucifix knife and get killed by Jones the Dolphin's sonar cannon. <laughs> is this dolphin voiced by someone, or is it just making dolphin noises? Yeah, voiced by Flipper. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Doug Jones. <laughs> This this was like Flipper's John Travolta in Pulp Fiction turn. This is when. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, sure, there are plenty of laughable things in Johnny Mnemonic. The fact that Johnny's brain implant maxes out at 160 gigs <laughs> means it probably would have had trouble running a full download of Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, so does every other gaming system. Ooh. Take that, Sony, <laughs> who also made this movie. <laughs> the truth is crazy. <laughs> and the hacking scenes, both in the physical world and the cyber world, are insane. Keanu Reeves looks like he's playing a VR game where the object is to clench your jaw and spin plates. <laughs> he, he literally has to push files out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> but I do wish we had this version of the internet. It looks like the lawnmower man accidentally ran over one of Philip Dick's electric sheep. Uh, it's way better than the series of tubes we have in real life. But as opposed to so many movies that warned us about the commodification of the human experience lived increasingly online, I feel like this movie took the best lesson out of the time Francis Fukuyama described as the end of history. Imagining that he was right, that we had reached the last socioeconomic epoch, and as he wrote in the book's Wikipedia page, the end point of mankind's ideological evolution and the universalization of Western liberal democracy as the final form of human government sucks. That sucks. <laughs> but doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean it's going to change. And it doesn't mean that it's all going to end suddenly. It may, like things seem to be going, just slowly get worse <laughs> forever and ever. And uh. let's not forget, Elon Musk is out there putting fucking Neuralinks into pig's heads. <laughs> <laughs> He claims that the purpose of the Neuralink is to solve brain problems by implanting a seamless device into the base of our skulls. In Johnny Mnemonic, Johnny can go through airport security with his head lacy because it scans as a device used to correct dyslexia, which Whoa. Keanu Reeves actually has. Is this the best movie to feature Keanu Reeves as a futuristic kung fu fighter who's thrust from his lot as a low-level cyber criminal to realize his role in bringing down an authoritarian status quo, benefiting from the immiseration of humanity's physical bodies while being pursued by seemingly unkillable agents for the truth uploaded into his mind through a port in the back of his skull? Yes. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. And I defy you to show me one better. <laughs> to remember the life lessons that Johnny Mnemonic gave to me, I came up with my own mnemonic device. <laughs> to one of the movie's better known lines, I want room service. <laughs> it goes, 
If we actualize neurotech reality, of course our mass soul extermination realizes a version of itself, cries everyone. <laughs> or I want room service. <laughs> the year is 2021. It is no longer safe to transmit information. Phones, computers, and satellites are all vulnerable, but there is a solution. Your storage capacity? I can carry nearly 80 gigs of data in my head. Input the data into the brain of a human courier, like Johnny Mnemonic. Hit me. How do you fit all that in your head anyway? I had to dump a chunk of long-term memory. You had to dump a chunk of what? My childhood. So, Casey, so, what should we invest in? I would say dolphin torture is always <laughs> a big seller. We love we love doing things to dolphins. Oh, that's another thing is, about is that is that Dolph Lundgren's new business? <laughs> Dolph, dolphin torture. <laughs> Dolph in torture. <laughs> that's another thing. Is this movie the big? Jumping the dolphin. Yeah, jumping the aquatic mammal <laughs> moment is showing us Jones is a like enhanced dolphin who can hack and shit and is kept in this small cage and is sort of in the small tank. Not a cage. It's very hard to keep dolphins in a cage. Uh, uh, in this small tank and is like hacking and fighting against this like online corporate hegemony. And what I love is like psychologically, the reason it's awful to keep dolphins in tanks is because their echolocation just like bounces off the walls and it like drives them this literal echo chamber that they have to live in drives them mad and again is there a better metaphor for our relationship <laughs> to social media no. it's insane how prescient this movie is again the fact that the defector scientists are like it's 320 gigs can you handle that and you see Keanu Reeves like literally like wipe sweat off his mouth You're like 320 gigs oh my <laughs> should have sprung for the 512 model you know I've been saying that Apple really needs to increase the neural port base storage for years <laughs> yeah, years truly. that's where the saying uh, having your head in the clouds comes from it's because eventually oh, we just gotta boy. upload it. <laughs> oh <Loud. boy>. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at pictures of this, this is not what I pictured Johnny Mnemonic to look at. I did not realize Keanu Reeves was in this movie. Oh, I hell yeah. think oh, I just in... pictured Max Headroom acting in a movie, and that's what this movie was to me in my brain for a very long time. Would just watch. Max Headroom Would the watch. motion picture? I just mean, Max Headroom the, the motion it. picture. It's not a perfect movie by any stretch. And it definitely is like, it's Keanu Reeves really before he had figured out what being Keanu Reeves in a movie was supposed to be like. <laughs> I, do, I don't know. I just, I loved how this movie really uh, got where we were going. I think I got to watch this on January 17th. Yeah. Sunday or Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> so some oddly prescient films released a while ago. <laughs> yeah, to varying degrees, but I think all in their own way prescient of 2021 there are t i'd like to just point out two other ones that we didn't talk about that take place in 2021 one is uh the john krasinski horror film <laughs> a quiet place whose sequel was due to come out in 2020 and has been pushed Ooh. indefinitely but that also deals with like an apocalyptic landscape this time via monster aliens that 
if you make any noise, kill you. Something, something, something sound. Something, something, sound. <laughs> it's kind of like if you talk on the internet and then ding-dongs just respond to you and you want to <laughs> die. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, this this movie came out in 2017 called Carnage, which was a, a mockumentary for the BBC. The film looks back on meat eating uh, because in 2067, veganism is the norm. So it, it hops around the place. But it does make a point to say that in 2021, the UK faces a super swine flu that kills what? many. And that seems oddly specific as well. So filmmakers, what do you know that we don't know? <laughs> right. Oh, also... There, there was a lot of anxieties about disease being the thing that was going to lay us low. And Johnny Mnemonic not only saw that, but because nerve attenuation syndrome is caused by a human's cybernetic and biological interconnectivity with the internet, they knew that it was the 5G network that was going to start coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we were the 5G zombies the whole time. <laughs> yeah. What if all artists are actually just Biff in Back to the Future 2, <laughs> where you have the you have the, the sports almanac, the sports almanac, and yeah. you just go back and you make movies about it. You're like, I can't tell anybody, but I have to tell everybody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Someone went back to the 30s and gave Alfred Hitchcock Leonard Malton's movie guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if any of these happen, listeners, we'll be right here with you. Yep, all of <laughs> yeah. 2021. We'll, be, we'll be here with you and we will talk about those things happening in 30 more years yes. of looking back at the movies that were made about them. It's a really strange yep. time situation. Yeah. Right. So really, the, the the lesson to be taken from all this is no matter what happens, whether it be environmental catastrophe, um, uh, destruction from the heavens, a disillusion of your humanity through uh, corporate greed, remember, keep listening to Video High. That's the, <laughs> oh, that's the most important thing you have to do is never stop listening to Make your friends listen to it. Subscribe. Make, shoot subscribe. us a review. Yeah. <laughs> the, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's right really the Yelp. only option you have. Check in on Foursquare. <laughs> Swipe left. Oh, really Foursquare. Because we will be here until the end of time. <laughs> Happy New Year! Happy New Year, everybody! <laughs> you can kill humans, but you can't kill a podcast. <laughs> up, up, up in, in your, your ears. ears. Podcast Network. <laughs>